Hello and welcome to Still Buffering, a cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McRoy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. Um, I wanted to tell you all about a, a personality test I took. Okay. Oh. Yes. It was a Star Wars character personality test. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you time travel back to like the heyday of BuzzFeed? What is going on? <laughs> Um, I, uh, we were, we were in a, (laughs) I was with our uncle Michael. Okay. We were, we were in a, in a hospital waiting room and trying to fill the time with, you know, distractions that would keep you off of maybe other sad things that were going on. Sure. And, uh, and he said, Hey, have you taken this Star Wars character personality test to find out which Star Wars character you are? And I was like, no, but now I want to, (laughs) now I really need to. So. I took, it was a very good, I thought it was a really good personality test. Who did you end up with? I was surprised. Justin guessed this immediately. I said I took it, and he said immediately who I was without me telling him. Okay. I'm Han Solo. Yeah, I figured that. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I did not. Who did you think you'd be? I don't know. I was a little worried I would be Sith. <laughs> As I took it and answered the questions, I started to get worried. Like, I don't know. I'm not very zen. And I I feel like that the people who, you know, use the force are all very, like, chill and zen a lot. And so I started worrying, like, oh, man, I'm not chill. I have no chill. And so. Which, like, it, it. It's one of those personality tests where it tells you like you are like the highest percentage of you is Han Solo. But then like here were your next matches. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it gives you like like the next highest I was was Darth Vader. OK. Yeah, I could see that, too. <laughs> well, no, I, I wish you. Why didn't you why didn't you give us headway so we could take I it know. as well? Now I, I want to know who I am. Now I just had to look up what Star Wars character am I and had to sift through like all these all these quizzes that are coming up in my face. Hold on. I just clicked on it and it keeps. Okay, take the test again. Now I can send you the. All right, because well, uh, I'll uh, while you're doing that, I'll, I will say why I, I, it makes sense that you're Han Solo, because I think like the, the the thing about Han Solo is his character is, and he's he's probably my favorite character in the Star Wars universe. But his whole thing is like, oh, I'm like a bad guy, a rebel, like whatever. I look out for myself, and then everything he does is anti that. He is absolutely like ride or die for his friends. He makes stupid decisions all the time in honor of what he <laughs> thinks is right. Uh, you know, he turns around a ship when if he was just like the 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 hardcore like you know mercenary that he says he is, he would have left them. And he doesn't. He comes back. He he leads with his heart. Uh, there are other. I mean, we don't we don't talk about Harry Potter anymore because J.K. Rowling. But lots of people made the point like like Han Solo would be a Hufflepuff because. He ultimately, like, is more caring than anything else. And that makes sense for you, because you're a little fiery, you're quick to anger, but ultimately you lead with your heart. Well, I appreciate that. I I was just surprised because he's very cool. No, but he's not. That's what I'm saying. He tries to be cool. He presents cool, but... In a moment of duress, he's... (laughs) He tries. Yeah, he's not like some cool guy who doesn't care. He cares too much. Well, and that... I mean, I did, like... As I thought about it, like, and I, they were descri- they were like describing the character. Here's why this is you. Um, they talk about that, like, the times where he's like a bad guy, quote unquote, like he does stuff that would be like bad. Um, it's because he thinks people deserve it. Like they're bad people. Like I don't have to take care of you because you do bad stuff, and so I'm not worried about you. But like he's on the side of good even if he doesn't say that like he's going to look out for good and try to do good and the people that he's like ripping off or whatever are people he genuinely believes to be bad people anyway and i could kind of connect with that it said that like i would be willing to shoot first if i needed to and i do (laughs) like not literally (laughs) not literally i would never because i don't i don't i don't mess with guns it's not my thing don't like them but um like metaphorically shoot first yes i do that i definitely will do that especially if i feel like somebody is wrong or or harming people or on the wrong side of something and acting unjustly unjustly 
anti-justly, disjustly, unjustly. As long if I feel like somebody's acting unjustly, I will. I have no problem shooting first, calling them out, trying to start a conflict with them in some way. Much to Justin's chagrin. <laughs> All right, I I I sped sped ran I speed ran the, this test. Um, I got ninety five percent Princess Leia. That also makes sense. <laughs> I did get equally seventy percent Luke. Yoda and Darth Vader. <laughs> um, so that's weird. Those are my second places, but I'm 95% Princess Leia. Why are you like Leia? Well, let's see. As a princess, Leia was expected to play a certain role by people around her. She could have led an easy, comfortable life if she had done as she was told and acted as a figurehead. The only there was only one problem with this: Leia had other ideas. She gives all her all to the causes she believes in. She takes on a central role in the rebellion. Um, she's willing to put herself in dangerous situations to further causes she believes in. She has an incredible ability to gather people around her and rally people to her cause. That's all it tells me. Well, I think her that sense sounds of like duty you. is unparalleled, even if it can sometimes lead to her being slightly over serious. I can, I, I can get I behind I think that. that sounds like you. Yeah, I think that all sounds like you. You do have a sense of duty. <laughs> duty. <laughs> <laughs> now, Princess Leia probably would not make a duty joke. Yeah, that's, to be fair. <laughs> that does not sound like her. Well, no, I think that suits you. I can see that. My lowest I- was Han Solo. <laughs> my lowest was Yoda. Well... That's because I don't, I mean, they had a lot of questions about, like, stopping and thinking things through. And that's just not. two thumbs down. (laughs) Two thumbs down. That's not my strong. No, I, I, I am not, I'm not a thinker. I'm a doer. I, I, I would rather take action quickly than sit and ponder, um, no, which is why, like, that's why I was really afraid, like, as I was taking it, like, I feel very strongly I'm going to be on the dark side because I, <laughs> I just want to, I'm not, I, I really, I am not seeking peace. I'm seeking justice. <laughs> See, that's what I put, but I didn't, I guess I had a little bit more of the peace in there. Well, I mean, but Princess, that's why you're not Yoda, though, because Princess yeah. Leia is also, like, seeking justice. I mean, yeah. she's willing to kill kill people. She's willing to fight, you know. <laughs> I, too, am willing to kill people. <laughs> well, I don't want to kill anybody. I'm just, <laughs> I mean, more like metaphorically. Like, in this, we're in the Star Wars <laughs> Metaphorical universe. killing. It, we're, we're, we're putting ourselves in Star Wars where we're fighting a fascist regime who's trying to, like, commit genocide. And so, like, in that case... The stakes are higher, so I think sure, our actions sure. are more justifiable, is I guess where I'm going. <laughs> sure. Um, I, I had two equal results, so I have to, I, I'm, I'm trying to retake oh, no. it to get it. Oh, I, was, no. I was 90% both Luke and Yoda, but I feel like I want, I didn't get the description of what that means. <laughs> oh, no. That's really interesting. Keep we've talking. I'm going to finish again. <laughs> okay. We've all gotten different ones that's really interesting it was when we sat there in the waiting room uncle michael was um luke skywalker and Mm. it makes um, sense i mean you're both capricorns that's true and uh kyle was also princess leia makes sense yeah that felt right that felt i mean those all felt appropriate to me yeah yeah um i have to make justin take it what do you you think offhand are you enough of a star wars fan to think what he might be Yoda. I mean, he's definitely <laughs> going to be more Yoda. That was my first thought. Was like he yeah. would be more Yoda. Um, he's he's very slow to anger, and he's very much about let's talk about things and think about things and make a plan. And he would rather keep the peace, you know, in a situation like. Sometimes I just feel the need to make sure everybody knows they were wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I get that. And he doesn't have that same need always. 
I don't know. It was, yeah. And I, I think it's more similar, like from the questions they're asking, I feel like this is a derivative of like a Myers-Briggs kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm oh saying? no, is this one, it's just tricky to send to. It's going to be sent to all of our future employers so they can yeah. figure out if they can hire us or not. <laughs> Are you sure you want to hire her? She's on solo. That, that was a thing though, right? That those were it actually was. used by companies mm-hmm. to like rig hiring procedures. Yeah. No, I mean that definitely, which is which is so wild because like the thing about them is I think, and I don't know if this is a disclaimer we should say tests like this are a lot of fun. Yeah, and I think you know you get to think about especially if you're a fan of something and then you think about yourself as a character and if you get a character you like it's like oh that's cool like it's cool to be Han Solo, um, but they're like there's a ton of flaws in them in their methodology and. I think that if you if you're doing it for fun to talk about with your friends, that's cool. If you're trying to base life decisions off of this stuff or like craft who you are and how you interact with other people and all that, like this is not therapy. This is you know what I mean? (laughs) It's not it's not actually helping or fixing or informing as much as like it's fun. It's fun. And, you know. Mm -hmm. There's a lot with personality tests. Like there's a whole, I think there's a whole documentary on that, like how dangerous they can be and detrimental. Mm-hmm. I just took it again and I got different percentages, but still exactly 95% Yoda and Luke. So I don't know. That's all I got. Oh my God. <laughs> and Luke. Yeah. My lowest was Palpatine followed by Han, followed by Vader, then Leia. I had 90% Obi-Wan, but it seems to be Yoda and Luke for me. So Yoda. did it give you any, did it give you any feedback as to why you're either? No, it says it just says that we cannot give you a description because you scored equally. I wish I could read it. That's that's obnoxious, but oh well. I can ask Michael. Oh, it's all right. Luke Skywalker. It's all right. I I I feel like that makes sense in both directions, though. Because mm-hmm. really, I feel like Yoda and Luke are kind of on the same trajectory, right? Especially when we see Luke in the later movies mm-hmm. when he's a little like, I would a grumpy said- old man. <laughs> Yeah, no, I would have said Luke for you. I think that's the Luke that I am, though. I'm not Luke mm. in the original trilogy. I'm Luke in the, in the new movies. But he's just an, an an angry old hermit that drinks weird milk all day. That's absolutely me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I uh, I took a personality test on that same website that was supposed to tell you which Winnie the Pooh character you were. Oh. And I was like, oh, that's cute. I'll see which Winnie the Pooh character I am. What it doesn't tell you until you're done and you're looking at that little chart with your percentages is it assigns like like a mental illness to each of the Pooh characters that it thinks the character is representative of and then tells you which one you that, are most like. Right, that sounds like one of those those conspiracy theories you would have told us back in the day that really all I of know. these were Christopher Robin's mental illnesses that he was well, manifesting and interacting with. Yeah, and that's what that's what it said is that they're each representative of a different like mental illness or like some sort of like I, is condition. The mental and illness of really loving honey. <laughs> <laughs> like like Eeyore yeah. was like depression. Well, so, sure, yeah. that makes sense. Natch. Um, uh, um, one of what them it? was anxiety. Maybe rabbit. No, rabbit was OCD. And, and was Piglet anxiety? Piglet was anxiety, maybe. What was it? the owl? He was just like a chill, smart dude. Yeah, I forget. I forget. But like each one of them, each one of them had one. And I was like, "What? I I just what wanted to know which Pooh? Pooh character I was like." Yeah, what does Winnie the Pooh have? On? <laughs> Hold on, now I gotta look. <laughs> what are they gonna say? He had like an eating disorder because that's deeply messed up. No, he's just a little tiny. He's a bear. It's he's a, a bear. That's he his whole thing. It's a shtick. <laughs> That's why this is where they're dangerous. Like it's fun if you're like, oh, it's fun. I'm whatever Star Wars character. That's cool. Like whatever. But then when they start diagnosing you with mental illness based on a test you take online, that's bad. That's bad. It's called the poo pathology test. Oh well, all right. And it says it's right there. Professors. It's got two professors here that are doctors, like MDs or doctors. It says they studied the characters of Winnie the Pooh and concluded that each of them could be linked to a definite psychiatric diagnosis. (laughs) <laughs> okay what said you gotta Listen. get your doctors in line because they're doing some wild stuff with these this, these monies they got okay <laughs> let me tell you it's the the problem is that that's that's under the realm of popular medicine that's pop medicine it's like it's not real medicine it's just like the, it's like that's what dr oz is 
mm. it's popular medicine. Like it has nothing to do with science or anything. It's just like this is wild. We'll talk about poop for a whole episode because oh my gosh, like whatever. Um, you got to be so careful with that stuff. I'm not going to say I've never engaged in that sort of whimsy. I have talked yeah. about like, you know, illnesses that Santa might have based on characteristics that Christmas carols have given Santa. Like I've done stuff like that, but you've got to put the disclaimer like. This is fun. This is just a joke. This isn't real. And you don't want to apply it to people taking Like, that's where it goes too far, right? Like, you don't want people to take that test and think they have a diagnosis. If you wanted to write a funny article about you think that Piglet had anxiety and here's your argument for why, that could be like a funny little, you know, silly thing you write. Mm -hmm. But it's got to be couched in that. You can't be like, I've analyzed the characters of Winnie the Pooh. And if you associate with Eeyore, you may need to see your doctor for major depressive disorder. Like, Do you think anybody's taken that test and been like, yep, that's me. I got a diagnosis. It's official because two doctors were involved. A hundred percent. I guarantee you that's happened. I My guarantee diagnosis you that's is happened. Piglet. <laughs> I, will, I know that's happened because because I haven't I mean, I have not experienced this, but I have had people tell me I am worried I have X, Y, Z because I saw on TikTok. Twitter, Facebook, a, a test I took online. You know, I have seen this and it told me this and now I'm worried and it caused me anxiety and I'm coming to ask you this question. It, absolutely this stuff does. Do, do you feel anxiety now that you've been diagnosed as Han Solo? No, it made me feel cooler. <laughs> all right, all right. That's good. Well, that's that's a, that was a harmless test then. That's fine. <laughs> that yeah. was That made me feel better about myself. Like, oh, okay. Michael uh -huh. was like, I'm a little jealous. And I was like, Michael always wanted to be Luke Skywalker. Michael, right? Yeah. And Michael was always cooler. Michael was always like the coolest. Well, so we are not talking about all these personality no. tests today, though, no. although it would seem that way based on how long we've been. Yeah, although I will say that if, if, if I can take the Luke part of my request, I like that we got the core three as, as a trio yeah. on the show mm -hmm. that we have Luke, Leia, and Han represented here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think it makes sense. Yeah. I, I think like it makes sense. Although I like it. I think people might have reshuffled those results without knowing us intimately, but, you uh, know, like the young one that doesn't know as much, well, that, mm -hmm. you know, the, the strong, like, princess character i think that that would have been the rebel right? completely mm -hmm. would be the rebel yeah, yeah. I, I feel like mm -hmm. that it, it makes sense to us but other people would have yeah. been differently no i think you're right i think you're right i think definitely people would have guessed different based on our perceived archetypes mm -hmm. yeah mm, keep you guessing all right uh but <laughs> yes uh, <laughs> i brought uh the waxahachie their first out well her first album this was when she was just a solo act uh, American Weekend, which came out in 2012. Um, a very, it was, it's one of those, uh, it's funny, I was reading an article, like a retrospective article about it, how this was sort of the era of like men going to cabins and producing an album all on their own. And then a lot of that got mm -hmm. kind of pretentious and, and like oversaturated. But this one's actually cool because it's just like, like a, a woman did it while she was snuck in a snowstorm. And it was great and awesome and very beautiful album all made really you know, just just yeah literally on her own very lo-fi recording uh released by don giovanni records which is where i encountered it because i used to go this was back in my my cool 20s when i used to go to like lots and lots of shows and i would always go every winter to the don giovanni showcase where they would show off all their a bunch of their acts and their labels would play and i believe that's where i encountered waxahachie what um because i didn't i didn't read anything about it i listened to the album and that so i have no knowledge yeah. otherwise where does the waxahachie where does that come from uh it's the name of a creek uh in alabama i believe where she grew mm -hmm. up yeah waxahachie, Wa waxahachie creek in alabama and that's where katie crutchfield who is the uh the main that's the the singer songwriter mm -hmm. of waxahachie that's where she grew up um and like since then, they they there are a bunch of now it's more of considered less of like a singer songwriter project, more of like a, 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 I don't know, a band project. Like she brings in other people. Her later oh, albums okay. are more produced. They have more of like a, a band element to it. Uh, but this one was just her, her alone, in a in a room making an album. That's interesting. I mean, it has that sound. Like I buy that. Like listening to it, it feels that way. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but I'm surprised that's actually what it is, you know, because I feel like sometimes artists go a long way to make it sound that way, mm-hmm. <laughs> even though they're actually in a studio and there's people and like they're intentionally making it sound that way. But it, it does feel that way. It feels like you're alone in a room when you listen to it. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, I, the, the sound, I think, is just as much like off-putting as it is intriguing. By that, I mean, like, I don't think if mm-hmm. she, like it makes sense that she did different things after this, because I think that if every album sounded like this, it wouldn't have worked. But I think as a standalone piece, it it works really well. Like, this is the only album mm-hmm. that really has that kind of crunchiness to it like the recordings i don't i think it's purposely like that but it is this like Mm -hmm. kind of crunchy literally sounds like something someone singing to you on like an old i don't know like what are those like the victorian like the wind up Mm -hmm, monophones mm -hmm. what are they called right like a victrola victrola yeah like like a ghost a ghost is singing to you over the phone or something (laughs) it's (laughs) a very haunted sound It, it is very haunting it is i uh when I first listened to it, it was everybody was out of the house. Justin had taken the girls to school and I was alone and I turned it on and it was very like, I don't know. It was almost like too much in that moment. I was like, whoa. Yeah. It's very ethereal. It's very. And plus, it's so cold out right now, which felt right for this. Mm-hmm. Like it's been in the single digits here, Yikes. like with the wind chill. And so like listening to this music with it being so cold, standing alone in my kitchen, I was like, oh, well, and that, it's very it's a it's a vibe that makes yeah. sense. I found a, a her dedication on it is to anyone who is who who had woke up and realized their identity is blurry, has had to clumsily get to know themselves, has hit a bottom, has felt self deprecating and vagrant, and to anyone who has ridden out a a crap storm, I guess. But she specifically specifically mm-hmm. credits a snowstorm for why she made this because that's why she was mm-hmm. locked inside. Um, So I want to keep talking about this album that we all loved, but before we do that, let's check the group message. This holiday season that we are ramping up into rapidly, it seems, like, oh my god, I cannot believe it's already like halfway through December, um, you want to give a gift to your loved ones that makes them feel special and unique, just like the relationship you share. So give them story worth. StoryWorth is an online service that helps you and your loved ones preserve precious memories and stories for years to come. It is a thoughtful and meaningful gift that connects you to those who matter most, no matter how near or far apart you are. Every week, StoryWorth emails your relative or friend a thought-provoking question of your choice from their vast pool of possible options. Questions like, what's the bravest thing you've ever done in your life? And after one year, StoryWorth will compile all your loved ones' stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. I know that we got this for our dad, and it was great to be able to hear all of these stories that he loves to share with us. Uh, not only, you know, hear them again, but see them all put together in such a beautiful book, asking him things about, like, one of his favorite memories, um, stories about his parents, stories about his friends, stories about being in school, all sorts of things that you just don't think to ask, especially, you know, like like all of us, we're grown-up kids, so you don't always think to ask your parents things like that um, when you're when you're also getting to be a grown-up, and it was really great to be able to hear those stories of our dads and see them all put together in a book with pictures and, and all that, um, and I know he loved it as well, being able to hear those stories and laugh about them all over again. So, With StoryWorth, you can give those you love most a thoughtful, personal gift from the heart and preserving their memories and stories for years to come. Go to storyworth.com slash stillbuffering and save $10 on your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash stillbuffering to save $10 on your first purchase. That's interesting. I didn't know any of that when, uh, when I listened to it. Um... But it felt that way to me, like, I don't know, like, I would have evoked that image in my head on my own of somebody, like, stuck inside alone while it's snowing outside. Like, it, I don't know, it's weird. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, but both emotionally and physically, like, it feels claustrophobic, but, it, like, like you could believe the setting is a snowstorm mm-hmm. outside, but also, like, you're trapped inside. Like, what would the echoes of your own, like, immersion, emotional turmoil record like because that's mm-hmm. what this very much sounds like mm-hmm. like it's very i mean the whole album is is repeatedly about sort of it's about loss it's about heartbreak it's about um isolation 
and it's mm-hmm. not in a very dramatic way. Um, it's uh, there's a lot about like sort of um, disregard for self, sort of self destructive notes in here. Mm-hmm. But what I think I love about it is that it's very resigned to it. It's not emotional, you know, other than mm-hmm. sad. It's not like loud or angry or intense. A lot of those emotions mm-hmm. usually are expressed that way. It's very resigned to the sadness. It's resigned to the self-destruction. It's resigned to the loneliness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's resigned to it. And you're right. It's not angry or fighting it in any way. And it's almost not like not bemoaning it either. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? It's not, it's just matter of fact about it. It just is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's no bitter to it, to a bittersweet, you know? It doesn't feel that way. Yeah. It's just like acceptance of that which it, I, that she was so young i don't know exactly she she was in her 20s when she made this i believe and i feel like that is an element that i've come to appreciate when i was in the throes of these very same feelings in my 20s it's like oh i can relate to this everything's going to be sad forever but it resonates more as an older person because it's like i remember what it feels like to feel resolute that everything was going to be sad forever and that's how you you get those mm-hmm. big awful overwhelming feelings when you're that age you know like Mm -hmm. you can believe this breakup will affect me forever this sadness will stay with me forever and that's why even though it's like it's like this encapsulation this this ghost of a very specific feeling that you have in your life Mm -hmm. that's really interesting and that that's a really powerful thing to evoke that's funny we were talking about that this morning uh charlie didn't get a sticker on her sticker chart it doesn't matter. She didn't do a chore. It, it's no big deal. They, she has lots of more opportunities. It's <laughs> it's not the end of the world. Um, but she was just crying and falling apart. And I said, honey, this is it's okay. This is a small thing. The, the, in, the, in our big life, this is a small thing, and it is not everything. And she looked at me and said, it feels like everything. And I was thinking, like, man, I know at nine this probably did feel you know Mm -hmm. there's stuff that felt like everything i think at 40 i'm not saying there's nothing like that in my life that doesn't feel like everything but the the way you know the number of times you can feel that get a lot smaller yeah you know things get bigger and so you don't you don't like to to feel like that like this is everything I, you know, you don't have that understanding that I felt this way before, and mm-hmm. I've gotten, I, I've stopped feeling that way. I've gotten to feel better, like I've been down this road. There is a way out. You don't really mm-hmm. have those, you know. When you get to your twenties, I think that you get a lot of those first time experiences, falling in love, being disappointed, having your heart broken, being rejected. Like you get those feelings, and it's the first time, and it feels like this will this will define who I am forever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also like that the a lot of these songs don't they don't follow like a standard song format. Mm-hmm. Like there's mm-hmm. not a lot of like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, verse, end. Um because it makes it feel a lot more like isolated and intimate. It feels like you're almost like listening to a stream of consciousness or like a like a diary or something. Like it wasn't written to be a song. It was just written to be like you know, written and then it became a song almost. Um, one of my favorites was I Think I Love You and that one is just like it's just like three verses straight through it's just like one stream of consciousness almost and that's it there's nothing that repeats there's no chorus there's no like hook or bridge it's just um, it, it feels like you're reading someone's diary almost yeah I, I really like that Yeah. I wonder if she wrote any of them as like poems first mm, or like a poem yeah you know what I mean I think I was surprised by how much uh, or how little rather like explanation there was behind a lot of the songs. I looked around, usually I look around like I'm like, I don't know, music genius or something, interviews. And she's given like vague, like, this was about a place I was living at the time. This is about a boy I was dating, like very vague things. But Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I do, I I could believe that. And and Riley, I was surprised, even when I was like reading the lyrics as I was re-listening to it how often it was verse, 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 verse. Mm -hmm. Like, no chorus, Mm -hmm. no repetition, just four verses, four stanzas. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I always have, um, I think, Genius pulled up as I'm listening to these albums so I can read the lyrics and see, like, any annotations or anything next to them as I'm I'm listening. Um, And that was was what caught my eye was after a couple songs, I was like, wait a minute, there's no... No chorus in this song. Yeah. It's just what it, what is this thing you all pull up? 
what is it lyric genius mm-hmm. yeah okay It'll just, just, it, i have the app the but it's also just like a website it just shows you the lyrics and people can go on and like annotate the lyrics to say like oh, that's cool I don't know what something is referring to, like in the artist's life, if like there's a specific event the song's about. Yeah, and a link in, that, like if the artist is ever specifically talking about that song, it'll pop up so oh, you can see a description. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. I've never heard of that. I yeah. if I want to see the lyrics, I'll like Google like lyrics to, then then I'll put the song by the artist. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> that, but then that usually comes up, <laughs> or sometimes people make YouTube videos that are just the lyrics. While you the watch, song plays. You watch lyrics. Is that, is that what you, you is that your research? Those are fun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I need to. All right, on solo. I go. To, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I go to my computer and I type in youtube.com and then once I get to YouTube. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's the best way to do that. <laughs> then I search on there for lyric video for blah 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 by blah 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 and then. Sydney, you're not that far removed from our dad trying to find videos for your kids going on the Safari app on his phone, typing in YouTube weird videos. I know. That was the kicker was when I realized dad was searching weird videos. Not on YouTube, just on the internet. You're basically doing the same thing. Just hope he has Uh, safe search on. Yeah. I I knew that weird videos was a moniker we had come up with to describe how we felt about the videos our kids liked. It's not like category. Like, please do not search for weird videos and then show them to my children. (laughs) Anyway, thank you for this um, (laughs) lyric genius. Thank you for that. It's it's great for for these episodes. (laughs) Yeah, I use it every time I'm listening to an album for the show so I can, you know, read the lyrics. and I I found the album. (laughs) <laughs> what are you going to say? You're going to be such a hard time. You found the album Apple on Apple Music. Music. <laughs> yes. I wanted so badly. I was like, you know, Spotify rap just came out this week. Maybe we should talk about our Spotify Wrapped at the beginning of the show. And then I thought, no, you know what? We can't because Sydney still uses freaking <laughs> Apple Music. Yeah. Maybe one year. <laughs> I would get Maybe it if you were like, right. Spotify is bad to its artists, which it is. It is. Um, and you're like, I'm making a stand against it. But you're... In favor of Apple, like I don't. <laughs> I'm not in favor. Like this isn't a an endorsement. It just is how I know how to get music. It's so much easier on Spotify. But you can't skip songs sometimes. No, because you, you don't have a. I know Justin has a subscription. <laughs> I do not doubt that Justin has a subscription. He does. I just don't. Unless he got one for me, but it's not on my phone. Okay. How do I put right. it on my phone? Well, let's, let's, let's not worry about that right now. Okay. I put the app back on my phone. I had, in protest, I had deleted it at one point. Sure, yeah. And then I forgot why I was <laughs> protesting Spotify at that moment when, like, a year later, I needed Spotify. All right. Anyway, <laughs> yes. There's lots of reasons to protest all these companies all the yeah, time. Yeah, they're all bad. They're all bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. Anyway. So, so Waxahachie. <laughs> Back to that. I like my favorite. I like the song Be Good a lot. Yeah. I liked a lot of the songs, but that was the one that stuck out to me. I think it's tonally a little different. It's a little more upbeat, which probably makes sense for you, is yeah. why I was drawn to it. I'm usually drawn to the more upbeat songs. I, I, like, I like that one. That's the song where it's like, it's about like, like where you don't want to be my boyfriend i don't want to be your girlfriend but we're in this thing and we're gonna Mm -hmm. like drink together and maybe make out and that's fine i love Mm -hmm. that song because that is such an experience in your 20s right like when when she Mm -hmm. says that like you don't want to be my boyfriend and that's a relief like that feeling like this is not a it's not necessarily a healthy situation for either of us but i'm glad we're both in the same place (laughs) i've had Mm -hmm. those yeah well to be fair, that was what I said to Justin when we started seeing oh, each other. Well, all right. I, I, we had both gotten out of very long-term relationships, and I said, I don't want anything serious. Let's just hang out. We can make out. We can drink together. We enjoy each other's company. We've been friends a long time. This will be great. Well, then we got married. Well, well, I think that, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's part of what I do, I love about this album. I think it encapsulates... It's self-aware in how much it encapsulates that 
area of most of our I don't think it's traditional youth I think it's like a modern youth like the 20s to 30s mm-hmm. used to be when you got married and had kids and now it's like this period of like anamorphous like I don't know is the world ending what can I do I'm lost and then by the mm-hmm. 30s you're just too tired that you're like I gotta do something I guess but like <laughs> like it's like my favorite song is is uh, probably Grass Stains, and there's some lyrics in there that I think hint to how self-aware she was, even though she was young when she was recording this. Like, when she says, like, I don't care if I'm too young to be unhappy. Like, that feeling, like, mm-hmm. oh, you, you don't you, you don't really know how, you're young. Th- these feelings yeah. will fade. Like, we've all said that to younger people, and mm-hmm. we've all heard that as younger people. But it's like, yeah, but this is all I have right now. My feelings are small, but they're all I have. And yeah. that matters. And she also says, like, uh, what is it? Um, uh, why does intemperance feel so profound? It's like that's sort of like, yeah, I'm making a mess of my life. I'm sad. I'm this is where I'm at. And I'm recognizing it. And it's not like I'm not going to feel bad about it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I like that. That's definitely true. Um, and I think it's always good. I mean, we I, I feel like we call attention to songs and albums like this sort of vibe a lot um because it's like we can appreciate the music about those feelings and that time of life and that the way that you feel things so intensely when you're younger and all that kind of stuff we appreciate that music but then as a society we still dismiss a lot of those feelings yeah Mm -hmm. and it's and that's so like it's so backwards and it's damaging and delegitimizing and it takes you a long time to work through like okay that did matter and was valid and like my feelings matter even though i'm whatever 20 you know it takes a long time to untangle that yeah. i don't know were we already feeling was 20 were we already having that nihilism in 2012 probably yeah i guess that started the in the 90s end, right i mean that's what i i feel like oh yeah that was what when the world was, was gonna one of, end that was one of the times yeah yeah because i mean i graduated like 2008 mm-hmm. you know I think I still kind of had that like things are going to break good for me like for the first couple of years out of college like I seem to get my break and mm-hmm. I feel like by 2012 I'd settled into like I work in the food service industry this is this is my my way it wasn't what I planned for but I got to make it work and this album came along and was like it's fine that you kind of feel like you're a mess and sad and that things are hard just because you're mm-hmm. young doesn't mean things aren't hard for you like it's fine <laughs> you can cl- curl up in a corner with these weird lo-fi beats from a ghost in a cave and listen <laughs> <laughs> well i mean and i think you can look at that as like a step towards empowerment because if we if we look at generationally a whole generation of people who were coming to grips with like it's okay like feelings are legitimate even when we're young your the feelings of young people are legitimate that's not a long walk to the opinions of young people and the thoughts and feeling like the thoughts and beliefs and like ideas of young people are important. And then young people have value and are important, which doesn't seem like it should be that hard or that, or like, why is that such a big deal societally? But the reason that we're not more aggressive about addressing things like climate change is because we don't see young people as important. I mean, as a society, Mm -hmm. right? Like, cause if we did, Mm -hmm. Wouldn't we be making the world better for the future they'll live in? So I don't know. That maybe maybe those are the steps. We value feelings, and then we value people. Uh, you, you'd hope. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like. Well, even oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say maybe it's easier for us to value feelings than people because like feelings are something we can also have, and you know maybe we, I don't know, are all a little bit selfish and that we can value things that we understand personally, but not. Other mm. people that we don't know yeah. or can't be. I but know. I do think the first step yeah. to, like, do you value people by relating to them? Yeah. Like, if you relate to somebody, you're more likely to see yourself in them. And maybe then it's still selfish, but it's like, I see myself in you, so I care that you succeed <laughs> because you're kind of like me. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. And I guess that, that, even like the title, like American Weekend. I always think it's interesting when like an indie artist or I don't know, like a, I don't know, not like a flag waving country artist invokes the concept of America. Mm-hmm. And I think that, because I, I, I mean, this is something we all grapple with, right? As Americans that don't want to be like bad, destructive, selfish people, 
what does it mean to be an American? And I think that's part of what I like about this album is that there's this one, it kind of has the, the lo-fi quality. It's not, it's not at all country, but I do think it's, I mean, one, she's writing this from Alabama. Mm-hmm. I think there is a folk element here. Yeah. And this kind of lost sadness is something that is, it's hard to put into, it's hard to put sound to, it's hard to put words to mm-hmm. as an American, especially as a young American these days. You know, it's also, as a young American, and then it's also speaking for, uh, I would say, an aspect of, if you think about coming from Alabama, when you think about how America sort of paints itself on the world stage, mm-hmm. it is not Alabama. It's not West Virginia. It's not places yeah. like this. Mm-hmm. It's not the sort of, like, way we see the world or the way we interact day to day, what our lives are like. It's not, sp- and then, and then what we're getting into, like, is we're not talking about rural people. We're not talking about people who live in poverty. We don't, that's not what America as the big idea in quotes is. And so it's interesting to call attention to the fact that like, well, actually that is who a lot of us are and what a lot of us are. And this is where a lot of us live and exist day to day. It's not just the big shiny you know, star-spangled capitalism that, like, I think is America. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's, I think, one of the greatest mm-hmm. uh, disservices musically is what's happened to country music and folk music, this association with that, like, I'll put a boot up your ass. I got 85 <laughs> trucks. I drink Budweiser, like, uh, and I'll shoot you. Like, that's that's America, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas folk music... And country music were originally the music of the folk art is the art of the people. Folk music mm-hmm. is the music of the people. It was, you know, originally a lot of a lot of country music was protest music. It was written by the original, like you know, unionizers, the rednecks. Mm-hmm. Like that's what that was from, and mm-hmm. and and Socialist. subsequently, <laughs> yeah. And that's what I think that any time I can find a modern artist doing what I think still feels like folk music, I appreciate it. And I think that's like, you know, like she sings a lot about like, you know, like, you know, drinking beers on a porch, like, you know, kind of like that, that very like rural, it's not like, she's not aggrandizing it. She's not lifting Mm -hmm. it up as like, oh, my beautiful youth in like my hometown. No, it's that it's lost and it's sad and it's lonely and it's kind of hopeless. Mm -hmm. And that feels true. Mm -hmm. And it feels small, but something we all experience. Mm Mm-hmm. It's it's small, but it's so um, it's so large in the sense of how many people would share and connect to that experience, as opposed to that fake sort of view of like this is what America is, this is who yeah. we are and what we do. Because for most of us, um, drinking a beer on a porch in like a in a smaller town that kind of is past the point where it was at its peak and like where not a lot of people stay anymore and where things are rough and where a lot of people are struggling. Like that's a lot closer to home for most of us, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And it's not, there is a sadness to it. Yeah. And I think that there's a, there's a very gentle nihilism to this album that I think is (laughs) also feels American. I don't know. I mean, we have to be a little nihilistic with the way we go at things, right? Well, yeah, I don't mean us to... personally. I mean the way, like, from, like, a nationwide perspective, if if the stuff we're doing is not because of underlying nihilism, I don't know what the heck, I don't know why, I, I don't know. <laughs> well, it's like, like, it's just, you know, to feel like you're a tiny speck in something so big and so destructive that you can do nothing to stop. That is what I think it is to be an American these days. Mm-hmm. And I think that mm-hmm. that's, you know, so you really can just like, this is this is what I have. I've got this, this cold night and this beer in my hand. I can do nothing outside of this. But that, but now let's not be hopeless. No, because, no, I don't mean. No, because Gen Alpha is coming. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> I have heard from a lot of teachers on TikTok that Gen Alpha is is very poorly behaved they don't mm-hmm. follow any rules. Good. Love they, that. They do not believe in authority. They don't do anything they're told. They question everything. They don't automatically respect anybody who's well, in a position I've, of authority. I've met your your kids are in that generation. Yeah, yeah. right. That's you're raising them. Yeah. <laughs> they're gonna tear it down. Now you're gonna come home today 
or someday to a list of demands that they've put together to justify why they are now in control of your household. And you mm-hmm. and Justin are just going to go, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. That, that was the long that was the long play. <laughs> we had to raise the kids that would burn down the system. Well, I think we feel it's, crushed by it. It's a step by step, you know, like we had to recognize like, no, hey, your, your feelings matter. It's things, things aren't great. Things aren't flag waving. Fantastic. It's sad and it's desperate and everybody feels a little lost. And then there's a generational response to that, which is, OK, what are we going to do about that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like then there's another generation that goes, we're going to get mad. <laughs> I know. I love the idea that they don't do what they're told. Good. <laughs> I mean, I was I was uh, I was walking to work the other day, and I, w- I happened to get off the train at the same time as a coworker who's much younger than me. And we were walking down a street with a lot of nice cars, like very nice cars on them, and like vintage cars. And he pointed one out to me, and he said, "I hate I hate those cars. I would love nothing more than to take a baseball bat to one." And yeah, it was just kind of like a whatever making conversation. Mm-hmm. But I thought about it. I was like, you know, it was an important element that. I was raised to think one day I could have that car. I don't think that anymore, but by the time I realized that, I was old and in debt, and there's not much I can do about my situation. They grew up knowing that car wasn't for them. They grew up knowing they'd never have Mm -hmm. a chance at that. And that makes them so much more dangerous than we ever were. Mm -hmm. And that's great for them. (laughs) Because I never had a chance at that car any more than he did. It's just that he knows that at 18, it's well, I mean, that's a really important transition, though, that we're talking about, like from a generational level, like we talked about American weekend, like what is America? What is the American dream? What does that concept mean to us? And I think we are are all and, and Riley, you're kind of young for this part of it, I would say, like we realized that wasn't true, like. Taylor, I feel like we grew up and realized like none of that is real. None, and it's right. and it's used to keep people captive. It's used to keep people oppressed because you keep struggling and scrambling for that idea that is never on the table for you. But by the time you realize it, you're just so tired. Um, and yeah, they know it was fake, and that's the next step. Okay, well, if it was fake all along, let's tear down the system that keeps us struggling for it. Let's rebuild it to one where we can all have a real dream which is i mean which isn't like i don't need a luxury car i just want you know a home (laughs) and no you know enough food on the table and to be able to take time off when i need a break or when somebody's sick well there's it's yeah there's i know and i I wish i knew the name there's a philosopher that talks about like he, he specifically talks about luxury cars and how many lives each of those cars represent that you could save and by extrapolation, how many lives you kill by owning that car if we just want to be brutal about it. And he does the math. And that's what I think. It's not not about like, I I want to destroy this car because I wish I could have it and I won't. It's, I hate what that car represents Mm because it represents all of the resources that are tied up in the excessively wealthy that will never be accessible by the people that need it. Yeah. No, that's an important unraveling. I don't want that luxury car. I I want the system that makes us think this is desirable to yeah. end. Mm-hmm. Well, but I think, I think you know, to, for the album's part, I think that the sadness mm-hmm. comes first. The recognition, like, just because I'm young doesn't mean my feelings don't matter. And, you know, whatever situation I'm in, like, it's valid. Like, it, it, maybe things aren't great. Things aren't great, and they're not supposed to be great. Like it's okay to recognize that and be sad about it. You could be mm-hmm. sad for a while. And this is a great album to be sad about things with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> Just recognize that it's okay if you're just kind of sad and nihilistic and self-destructive because mm-hmm. that's not useful in the long run. But there's nothing wrong with you if you no, feel that way. You need catharsis. We all do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you, Tay. I really, I really enjoyed it. I mean, it was sad. Too. It was very sad. But yeah, it's again, good. Like, but I mean, I liked it. Like, I, I, it's the kind of music I like. It's definitely not something I would listen to if I'm like, you know, chilling at the beach. But, um, oh, well, okay, now since some of the some of the songs you put on the beach soundtrack, that's true. Okay, you are not the one to talk about what you can listen to at the beach. Not at all. But you know what I mean. Yeah. But I'm, no, no I really liked it. Thank you. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm, thank you for listening. It, it's it's a little bit of a you know it's a I, it's. 
a little unapproachable at first, but it's one of my favorites. No, I liked it. I was in the right headspace and, and like place for it, mm-hmm. so it was good. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm glad. Um, Riley, what's next? Yeah, so I thought we could talk about a movie that actually just came out, so I won't say it was like crucial to my, my growth, but I do think it's very, very representative of Gen Z and modern like teens and culture and all that. Um, so I want to talk about the movie Bottoms. All right. All I've right. been meaning to watch it, so now yes. I will. So right. very well, good. I'm excited to talk about it. Well, um, thank you both. Uh, Tay, thanks for sharing Waxahachie's American Weekend with yeah. us. Thank you and for listening. Obviously, it is, all, like all music, it's on Apple Music. So <laughs> it's probably on Spotify. I, we'll probably find it other places. It's on Spotify. Yeah. I don't. I don't always promote this, but I feel like this album's definitely best if you can just buy like an old dusty CD version, mm-hmm. or perhaps inherited mm-hmm. from a haunted shop of some kind. It's mm-hmm. it's best on like a dusty vinyl in I an abandoned say, hotel. It feels like it, if you could get it on vinyl, you'd have the perfect experience. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, thank you, listeners. You should go to maximumfun.org and check out all the great shows that you would enjoy there. Um, you can email us at stillbuffering at maximumfun.org and uh, thank you to the novellas for our theme song Baby Change Mine. This has been your cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McRoy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. I am still buffering. And I am too. first thing that pops up when you yeah. I, I guess when you google something in a not insane way but I can't guarantee <laughs> that's not what you were doing <laughs> my search engine got set to yahoo for a while too that's not a- and so it was hard like I kept getting weird results <laughs> at this point that's just some guy that's at one desk <laughs> yeah. like manually typing your results for you out. And I don't know how it happened. It was like I rebooted. I don't know. It, I finally figured it out. It's fixed now. It's Google again. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hello, sleepyheads. Sleeping with Celebrities is your podcast pillow pal. We talk to remarkable people about unremarkable topics, all to help you slow down your brain and drift off to sleep. For instance, we have the remarkable Neil Gaiman. I'd always had a vague interest in live culture, food preparation. Sleeping with Celebrities, hosted by me, John Moe, on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Night-night. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist-owned. Audience-supported.